This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How was Thanksgiving? It's great. I had four of them, so it was... Four Thanksgivings? Yeah, it was a little, a little much. <laughs> Did you gain I, weight? Did you weigh yourself? I have not weighed myself because for fear, um, because I don't want to. I don't want to do that. Um, but I have. Uh, I I spaced it out good, right? So I had like Wednesday night. We didn't have any food. It was like a Thanksgiving gathering, but we didn't have any like food. Food. Thursday I had turkey. Friday I had ham. Saturday I had ham. No ham. Oh ham. And then and then Saturday I feel like I I, I went easy and went with like chicken or something. And I, I didn't know we were recording this entire time <laughs> till right now. <laughs> 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 totally putting this at the beginning of it. You know what? Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. And I, I got to savor these because it's Jeremy Warner here with Isaac Trotter. I, I don't know how many we'll be able to do. Though I guess I could just call you from Minnesota when you get up there in a month and, and just say, hey, buddy, what's up? You want to do a podcast? Yeah, I think I'll be totally <laughs> down to do that. Even though I won't be here, I, I think we'll have to cherish the one-on-one in-person yeah, yeah. in, in person podcasts. But yeah, I mean, if, if you want me to come down and talk about football <laughs> or something while I'm in Minnesota, I'll be more than willing to do that. So it doesn't have to be yeah. the end. We are going to do a huge podcast podcast super huge where it's just you and i doing an exit interview talking about your path here your experience here what you learned here and you what you're going to do in minnesota and why it's such a good fit for you uh and maddie but uh i want to save that for a whole podcast but what's it been like the last couple last week it's been a little crazy honestly because like it's it's just like i I don't know it it all came along so fast and and it's really been fate how i got the job and if you don't know i'm going to be at the rochester post bulletin i'll start in the middle of january and it's fate i i I didn't time this up anything any better it's seriously step by step's been great the last week has been crazy if people don't know your fiance maddie's going to be working at mayo clinic which is in rochester right and so so, perfect yeah and so like (laughs) the whole last process and the funny story of how I got the gig was Derek Neal, who is the sports information director for um, Illinois football, yeah. who we have a decent relationship, but I wouldn't say we're like best friends or anything. No, professional but relationship. Professional yeah. relationship. And he just texts me out of the blue this job that just popped up that his wife found. It's just like, I can't make yeah. this up. So I'll graduate in December. I'll start in January. I'll move up there right after the first of the year and then get going. And it's just crazy. I'm, I'm so excited through. for you guys. I, I, I talked to you about a month ago after you got engaged. I'm like, okay, he's engaged. I knew you guys were going to get engaged. But like you got engaged, I'm sitting there going like, okay, we got to find him a way to Minnesota. Yeah. Like personal life, like I'd love to keep you, obviously. Right. And we've talked. I'd love about to stay. That. Yeah, but... we've talked about that. But to start your life out separated is not the way to go. My wife did, and I did that for like a month when we were um, 
together engage and it was just it sucked so i was like no we got to find a way and you found your own way and derek neal with the assist there so it was great yeah it was insane yeah it was one of those situations where she got that job and it was so good i couldn't tell her no and or be like yeah you need to come back to illinois it just wasn't it wasn't in the because you're getting there. into the journalism industry that's while she's right. getting into the medical industry and they're gonna pay for her to be like a uh nurse anesthetist which is like a couple more years of school after this so she's really good smart deal. i've really out kicked my coverage there and it wasn't something that i could be yeah. really uh, t- too rude about or tell her what she needs to do and not do. All right. Well, we are going to get together and have a huge conversation about that here soon. That's a little tease into it. We're going to talk about a football today. Uh, we're recording this on Monday afternoon. We probably won't put this out until Tuesday or Wednesday. So just to give people a little bit of heads up, it's just I was in town uh, and I, Isaac and I just texted each other 20 minutes ago like, hey, you want a podcast? So we're kind of putting this together. So if anything changes uh, between then, just know that we recorded this. It's 2.20 on Mondays. We're getting ready for Illinois and Miami basketball. Uh, and Derek and I will have a podcast that will come out before this one about that. But all right, we're going to go down some lingering thoughts from Northwestern. Season superlatives. We're going to go over those. I was going to do a story, but I'm like, eh, that's better podcast form. And then we'll uh, look ahead to the offseason here. But that Northwestern game was just egregious. It was just ugly. You and I broke it down. Any lingering thoughts from how that game ended or how it, if at all, stains the season in the second half? Yeah, I think the one thing that I was was kind of lingering over or kind of lingering over and figuring out how I thought about it, and it, it felt like we were stuck in a little bit of a zone here. Like, if Illinois had beaten Wisconsin, but somehow, or had lost to Wisconsin, but somehow beat Northwestern, our view of this whole season changes completely. Mm-hmm. It's six and six, and, and, and you feel great about it. You got that win, and so it feels like we have a little bit of recency bias. So, just because they lost the last two games gives you a, this kind of recency bias here about this season and to be honest with you I felt kind of good after the Iowa game yes I know they lost I know they made the mistakes but it was good to know that the mistakes you made cost you the game not that Iowa was that much better than you you won the trenches and that's what makes that Northwestern game so weird it's not that they struggled to score. I expected that with Matt Robinson and, and, and the lack of Joshi Matt Torbebe and really the Northwestern defense. I respect. I think that front seven is pretty good, and Pat Fitzgerald's a heck of a coach, mm-hmm. and I knew they would be up for that game. It's the fact that you got run over. Right. I, I have no idea how that defense, which had stopped Iowa, and I know Nate Stanley's not a running threat, but you gave up 378 rushing yards to that team? Yeah, that was That weird. makes no sense to me. And I'm trying to figure out, like, for the most part, I think it's an outlier from the second half. Because the five previous games, you'd only given up 3.7 yards per rush. Um, Now, Michigan State got you pretty good. Wisconsin ran for some yards, but not that many. Mm -mm. Under four yards per carry. So I I still don't think it stains the entire season for me. But it it does change the way... You would have felt going into a bowl game. It changes the way you feel a little bit going into the offseason. Now, as I wrote on Saturday, I do think when you look back at the season, that's not the number one thing you're going to remember. Exactly. You're, you're going to remember Wisconsin. You're going to remember uh, Michigan State. Those are the things you're going to remember. You're going to remember they go to a bowl game. That's exactly my point. 
if, if when we look back at this season in 10 years, you're never going to remember this game. You're never going to remember that they lost to Northwestern. You may, a few of them. You're, you're Robert, like Rosenthal Robert Rosenthal and his 17. Yeah, yeah. Like, Robert Rosenthal and his 17 will remember. <laughs> but the rest of society will not remember that game. It's just like Purdue when they beat Ohio State. You remember that win when Purdue beat Ohio State. You don't remember the losses that were ugly later in the season after that game. So when you look at Illinois football. How many people from 2007 remember Iowa loss? You remember it. But you know that, it existed. You that, know Missouri existed that, that year. Or, or you remember that you got crushed by USC in the Rose Bowl. But the more important thing was getting to the Rose Bowl. And Richard Mendenhall's long touchdown run in the Rose Bowl. Beating Wisconsin. like Those yeah. are the things you remember. And, and so th- you could argue that that win over Wisconsin, even though you had a loss to Northwestern, is better for you long term. So you might feel a little worse about this season right now because they lost to Northwestern. But I would take a win over Wisconsin and a loss to Northwestern, preferring the other way of that, in a heartbeat. Just because of the magnitude. It got you on Sports Center. Mm-hmm. It has you making a, a public statement that Illinois football Football is better than what it's been. It definitely is. And, and that conversation, which I haven't seen it as much, but I've seen Robert and some others responding to it and having the conversation, was this season a fluke? And no, 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 it was. This team was better. Offensively, it took some steps back, but I will say offensively, you played a different style because your defense could actually stop some people. Um, Do I have some concerns about the offense? Yes, but I think a lot of them can be fixed with guys just coming back from injury. I think Brandon Peters got way better as the season went along, and we saw how important he was to the team. Defensively, this team was markedly better, even with some terrible performances. Um, the scheme looked better because you had better, more experienced players. They called things a little bit better. Um, and I think as the, the talent accrues more and more, that the takeaways are for real. Now, maybe what? If we want to say four or five fumble recoveries are fluky, that, yeah. That could change a season. I understand that. But you still but would have 23 they takeaways. still force them. Right. Like the forcing of the fumbles is not a fluke. The, the interceptions are not a fluke, and I'm going to take it, right? If you're an Illinois fan, you take it. You take this and you run with it if you feel like you're a little bit fortunate. But even some of the luck stats mm-hmm. don't even have Illinois as one of the luckiest teams in the country. Well, and one of those things, too, is is I liked how the coaching staff put guys in different positions to succeed this year. I, I think they did a really nice job with Tony Adams. He was not that great at safety in the beginning of the year. They realized that Quan Martin was really struggling at cornerback, and they got him off the field and moved Tony to, mm-hmm. to corner. Those are different coaching moves that I I don't know. For the last couple of years, it always felt like Illinois was outcoached. And this year, I think there were moments and blunders in the late clock management that makes you wonder. But overall, putting guys in right positions to succeed, I think we saw Illinois' coaching staff Give you a little bit of they an advantage were, this year. They were noticeably outcoached in two games, right? Eastern Michigan mm-hmm. and then Northwestern. Yes. They, I think, outcoached against Michigan State, especially in that second half. Um, Rutgers, I don't think so. I think Rutgers was just in the second half you had your will, but, I mean, you did outcoach them because poor Nunzo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and then, um, obviously, you outcoached Purdue and Jeff Brom. I thought they outcoached Michigan for a while too. Paul Christ, yeah, Michigan. I think in the second half, like you just had energy, kind of mm-hmm. like Northwestern had energy, and I don't think Illinois really did. But still, back to that Northwestern game. When you look at it after the injuries, talent versus talent, Northwestern and Illinois aren't that separate. So this no. looking like some big, huge upset for Northwestern over Illinois is not that shocking because talent-wise, after all those injuries, injuries yeah. they're very similar rosters. And you could argue Northwestern might have a little bit better roster than Illinois. Um, D line, they'd probably. 
close. Their um, offensive line looked pretty darn good too. Yeah, but that's partially. I would say Illinois needs to win that game though. I agree. I, right? I, yeah, I'm I not do think I do think Illinois, even with Matt Robinson, should have been at least a touchdown favorite. Yes, over that Northwestern team. So it's not excusing that Northwestern. There's no excusing that. Completely agree. Even with the injuries, but I still look at this season as a definite success, and I think we will, and I think we should. Right, and the good thing is, as Lovey Smith said, you can get this bad taste out of your mouth. I don't know how much bowl wins actually matter, but I think for Illinois it matters. I, I I do. I think for more for Illinois, unlike some other schools, especially after losing to Northwestern, I think that will matter not only to fans. Um, it will a lot to fans. I think uh, to have a bowl win, be like, okay, we beat another five hundred plus team mm-hmm. going to the off season. Uh, I think it'll matter for recruiting, just to further legitimize you. But it could be the best thing in the world for the players to realize we can't show up even against the worst team in the Big Ten West this year and just expect to win. I really think they thought that. I, I think you're, you're probably right, too. And and you see and you listen to some of the comments afterwards, and it, it felt like that. And you watch the defensive line get pushed around. You watch the linebackers get out of position a lot. I, I didn't think the safeties were all that great. They had their moments where they were okay. I think Stanley Green was okay. But for the most part, the defense was not really playing with a lot of effort. And and you saw Northwestern bounce off these tackles and, and finish them off. So You missed Jake Hansen in that way. I think he's he brings energy. He's their fiery guy yes. that, that, that he's the one that goes to a dude and says you're not doing what you need to do and you better fix it or I'm going to rip your throat out <laughs> right. right now like he's the one talking trash like, I don't think they had anyone talking trash in that game right like I don't know how much that matters but like Northwestern you could see they cared they wanted to be there and they knew what it was going to take to win like Illinois is like hey we're the bowl team here we're going to win the land of Lincoln trophy hat back we'll, we'll knock off all these first since whatever right. You can't just do it, even against a team like Northwestern, because you're not good enough. Yeah, it was a wake-up call. Illinois is markedly better. They're much, much better, but they still aren't quite there yet, and this is still a stepping stone because next year's always been the year, always. They're good enough to beat some of the better teams in the Big Ten. They're also not good enough to just show up and beat the lower teams in the Big Ten. Uh, They showed that against Rutgers, too, right? Well, and they've solidified themselves, though, that they are ahead of Rutgers, right? You're not in the cellar anymore, so you're clearly in that 7 to 11 to 12 range. But you're just not guaranteed that next year is all of a sudden going to be 8-9 wins. You know, I feel like everyone thinks, oh, yeah, they're just going to be 8-9 wins. I'd sit the over-under at 6. And and I know that's not 6.5. Like, I I think it's going to be an even 6 in Vegas. I think that's fair. I think you have a lot of seniors that are graduating this year that are really hard to replace. Defensive tackles, safeties, a linebacker that should be all Big Ten, the or spine running backs. of your defense. Yeah, you have a lot of key dudes. But you still look at this roster and go 30 seniors, six, 16 or 17 returning starters. This is a team that should be a bowl team again next year. And if yeah. you and and it has every it has all of this lined up to be what Minnesota had this year, right? You have the same type of recipe to do a little bit of what they did: soft non-conference schedule, a early your, Big Ten schedule first, that can get you some confidence. First half of your schedule, like they need to be like five and one. Yeah, I or agree. they could be five. Well, and, one. and I here's one thing that I think about too: Tanner Morgan and Brandon Peters aren't that different to me. They're really not. Talent-wise, Tanner Morgan has done a lot oh, this I'd year. Say Brandon's he, probably more talented, right? I'm, I'm t- Tanner Morgan has done a lot this year. He's had great wide receivers that he's taken advantage of, but there's no reason why Brandon Peters can't put up the same type of numbers that Tanner Morgan did, or kind of be that same echelon of quarterback. And maybe he's even better. So that's where the Minnesota Illinois comp. It feels like Minnesota's a year ahead of Illinois. I, I don't know if Brandon Peters will have his year right. th- that Tanner had. I know what you mean by being better. Um, he doesn't have Tyler Johnson. 
He doesn't have Rashad Bateman. Like those guys are better than Amator Bebe. Uh, Amator Bebe is really, really good. Yeah, they're better though. Right. And they're better than Ricky Smalling, and they're better right. than Trayvon Sidney. But he'll have those guys next year. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, have Luke Ford next year. have Daniel Barker next That's year. That's my thing. Like, I think yeah. you have a, a case here where you have all the weapons around him, and if he continues to develop, which Rod Smith has proven that he showed what he could do with him this year, he could be really solid. Next <laughs> Here's year. the thing. Next year, you can't pull an Eastern Michigan. You have Illinois State Friday night, UConn, yeah. Bowling Green, off at Rutgers, at Nebraska, home against Purdue. Yeah, I mean, you could start the season six and one. Now it's hard after that because you have Minnesota at Wisconsin, and I expect Purdue to be much better mm-hmm. next year. By the way, so I'm not going to say you you should be five and two at least. Yes, right. Um, and remember that Bowling Green team is a three and nine team this year. That Illinois right. State team is a FCS program. Even though Adam Solomon did get honorable mention all Missouri Valley Conference today, which and is Gabe Megatson might have another year. He yeah, could probably so get another they'll year. They'll have some talent. You should still beat them. And UConn's UConn. Um, at Wisconsin, going to be tough. I just don't see Illinois beating them twice in, the, in a row, but we'll see. Iowa, always tough. At Indiana, it's a favorable crossover, even though they had a good year. It's a tough game. But uh, Ohio State's on the schedule. I'm, I, I think I can chalk that one up as an L. Big old L. Okay, Big, I think fat, I can chalk that L. one up. And then at Northwestern, 10 the year. Which you usually play better up at Northwestern than you do in Champaign. That's fair. I mean, but again, could you win eight games? Could you win nine? Yeah. But that schedule at the back end is why betters in Vegas are going to have a six and a half line, or that's yeah. why the line will probably be six and a half or seven. I could see it being seven just I to don't. get people to try to think about that. Under. I think it'll be six and a half. Yeah, I think it'll be six and a half too. Yeah, but I. What I, would you take there? I'm thinking the over. <sighs> This is a I'm, with all those seniors with what they the probably will do. Sets the, up well, but I expect Nebraska to be much better. Really, I expect Purdue to be much better. We said that about them last year, though. Yeah, but I think this is the actual like they'll have more like they'll have more talent. He mm-hmm. is recruiting well. Yeah, he is, and they beat you this year. Um, Purdue, I expect to be better. Hopefully, you don't have, to, or maybe Illinois should want to play them again in a rainstorm. Maybe another <laughs> right. one. Right? Yeah, and I just don't know if it'll go the same way. Minnesota will have to be worse. Right? Johnson's Tyler gone. Johnson's gone. They're going to lose a lot on defense. Carter Coughlin's gone. The PJ wins, man. Um, Indiana, I wouldn't expect that. They're going to take. But you know what I mean? There's back. not besides Rutgers yeah. in the Big Ten. There's just no gimmies. There's just no gimmies on that schedule. And you got to go at Wisconsin and play Ohio State. Those are two pretty much guaranteed L's right there. Yeah. All right. The, the uh, all Big Ten teams are going to be named on Wednesday. Um, so let's put out who do we think? I mean, Delay Harding is probably the most likely first teamer if there's a first teamer. I think he's got to be. I think he's the only one I think will happen. I think Delay, when you look at it, he's number one in the Big Ten in tackles. Not even close. And it's he's. The guy who's in second place is Ben Holt from Purdue, and he has 33 less than Daylight. And I don't even think Ben Holt will be a first or second no. teamer. And then if you look in Big Ten play, Daylight's averaging 13 tackles per game. The next closest one is like four tackles behind him. Yeah. That's absurd. And 13 tackles for loss, three interceptions, right. three They're not empty fumbles. tackles. Right. So it's not just a guy on a bad team getting a bunch of tackles. Um, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Now, there could be guys like Micah Parsons who get ahead of him. Um, Zach Bond's probably known as a is a linebacker. He didn't have a great second half to the season. Um, you know, I like Cam McGrone at Michigan. Malik Harrison at Ohio State's really good too. Right. I mean, Ohio State's probably gonna have a guy on there, but his stats should really help him. They they should really help him. He, second team at worst for him. Yeah. I mean, we can make the case for Blake Hayes. There's some other good punters in the Big Ten. Rutgers guy got to work out this year. Um, Ohio State's punter's always good. So I don't know how they're gonna. If you want the case for Blake Hayes, 
here's the thing. He's second in the Big Ten in punt average, which means that, that only one punter averaged more punts. But it was also Michigan's punter who had about 30 less than him right. total. And you want a long punt of the season? Blake Hayes is number two in the Big Ten. Only one other punter had a longer punt than him, and he had a ton of ones inside the 20 and a ton inside the 10. And if I'm Illinois, I throw out that one where he put it down at the one-yard yes. line at Purdue in the Just, rain like 70 times. I, I don't know if they made the case. Like I don't know if they've had Should a— Should we start, it, uh, start that Blake Hayes it, for first-team All-Big Ten hashtag? I, I think it's too late. I think they already voted on the All-Big Ten teams. We should have had a campaign, and all he had to do was do the punt that he just nailed the pylon. Right, like that's all you do. Sixty-one yards, I believe it was, and he just nailed the pylon. It was ridiculous, but it's hard for me to think that there's a better punter in the Big Ten. Um, I think there could be comparable ones, like Will Hart might be comparable, the kid from Rutgers might be comparable, uh, but I just don't know if there's definitely a better one. He's got the best punt average for an Illini since Steve Weatherford. Kind of a big deal. He's the only guy that has a better. He does not have the muscles as Weatherford, though. Yeah, you got to work out a little more, Blake. Yeah, seriously. Six four two twenty. He's one of the most impressive dudes coming off the bus. We game. always said, though, that he looked like a quarterback. <laughs> That's does. our thing that we've always said throughout training game. He looks like a quarterback. He does. All right, who would be the most likely guy, other guy than Blake Hayes and Deli Harding, to win first, second, or third team? I think it's Kendrick, Kendrick Green. I, I mean, agree with There you. are so many little details. I mean, when you're looking for offensive line play, especially as like a media guy, what do you look for? You look for one, PFF usually will tell you a lot. Yeah. And two, you look for big crushing hits on film. And Which Kendrick I don't always has agree with PFF, by the way. That's a weird little... Their numbers are weird. Sometimes, sometimes they, they can't. Sometimes they can be weird. Like I think Vidarian Lowe had a better year than Alex Palczewski personally. Um, Palczewski is a better run blocker, but I think Lowe is by far the better pass blocker. But they have Palczewski a little bit ahead. Though I think Lowe is still right there with him. Yeah, it's just, but that's it's, just personal. Problem. It's just weird. And I I could argue that Sidney Brown was better at safety than Stanley than Green. Stanley Green yeah. But Stanley Green is now second in, in, in safety. Though Sidney Brown's first couple games were probably so bad. They, that's true. They were. He was a different player in the second half. That hamstring got. Healthy. My he God, he really looked good. like a sophomore who's only <laughs> starting to play his second year. Well, Look at that. Looked healthy. Looked yeah, healthy true. in the second half. All right, Kendrick Green. I think Kramer could be in there. Doug Kramer is just so consistent. The problem, though, is that there's so many darn good centers in the Big Ten. Yeah, and Illinois didn't have a great running game this yeah. year. It was it was fine. It was solid. And people were have been questioning to me the offensive line. Uh, I still think that's been the strength of the offense. Um, you know, Peters has been a vast improvement at quarterback, in my opinion. But Doug Kramer's been solid. Kendrick Green's had moments of brilliance, right? Um, I think Vidarian Lowe is a pass blocker, is one of the better pass blocking left tackles in the Big Ten. Alex Palczewski is a devastating run blocker. And I thought Pettibone was fine. He was a serviceable starter in the Big Ten. Um, the problem is, A.J. Bush wasn't here. So defense is keyed on the running backs. And Reggie Corbin, as we expected, did not run for four 70-plus yard runs, which accounts for a lot of your offense. He just doesn't have that top-end speed. So when we talk about fluky, that was a little bit fluky last year, those runs, those long runs. And Illinois' running game caught a lot of defenses by surprise. It wasn't something yes. that they were totally game-planning for. This year, it was the entire emphasis. we got to stop this. So that's why I think you could even see next year, Josh Matterbebe is probably not going to have nine receiving touchdowns next year. He's going to come back down to earth because you'll have a yin and a yang a little bit, and defenses will now ro- uh, go a little bit back towards stopping the, the pass. Opens things up for Smalling, Ford, and Sydney, though. Yep. I mean, Sydney if he gets healthy. And Barker. Barker's yeah. really darn good, too. Yeah. Uh, Sydney, if he gets healthy, can get a lot of catches next year. Um, I hope they use him down the field more. I didn't like the whole like uh, pass he's from not the one left guy. hash all the way to across the field for a six-yard gain. He's not a screen guy. He's he's an Edelman guy. 
Like, yeah. over the middle, I'm going to make tough catches, take the hit. But I'm going to get open because I'm going to get separation. And his injury is seriously oh, the worst Jesus. I've ever seen oh, this man. season. <laughs> that, was that was awful. Uh, all right. Anybody else? I mean, Kramer, Talcheski might have a chance. I think Jamal Milan should be in the yeah. conversation. I hope he gets honorable mention. He didn't have the counting stats of even, say, like a Batiku, but he was just disruptive, especially that middle portion of the Illini schedule. I think Jake Hansen still has a really good case. If he were healthy the entire year, yeah, I, I I could possibly make the case for him over Harding. I think so too, and I think just the missing those three games right at the end of the year have bothered him. But if you look overall, he's still one of the top. He's number seven, tied for sixth in the Big Ten in tackles per game. That that's pretty impressive. If you had to predict the most likely to get first team next year outside of Blake Hayes. It'd be Hanson for me. Because mm-hmm. he had seven fumbles that he forced still, which is still number one in the Big Ten despite missing three games. Ahead of Chase Young, yeah. Yeah, so like you have all of these different things that he's done so well this year. I think there's a case for him to be a third-team All-Big Ten linebacker, but I feel like I the numbers are going to hurt mention. him. That'd, be, that'd num- be nice, but I don't know if he'll get a vote. Um, all right, when we come back, let's do our season superlatives. We'll hand out our offensive MVP, lineman of the year, defensive MVP, plays of the year, and guys we're looking forward to most seeing next year. That's next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. All right, Isaac, I threw this list together like right after the game, uh, after Illinois finishes 6-6, six and six, gets to a bowl game, and Dre Brown was named the team MVP, also won the Bruce Capel Award, which is probably a bigger honor than offensive MVP. I get why Dre Brown got it. He's the story. So talk about narratives. I think the Illinois uh, they coaches, crushed it. They yeah, crushed they, they it. crushed the narrative story there. I think Amatur Bebe had a better case than Dre Brown. Yes. But to me, the offensive MVP is Brandon Peters. Completely agree. Um, and I think we saw it the last game. I was going to say, and the reason why he is is because when you look at when he wasn't there in the second half against Minnesota, or last really last three quarters three quarter. against Minnesota, and then Northwestern. And you could argue three out of the four quarters against Michigan, too. Yeah. Matt Robinson put it together for that third quarter, and I don't – like that was really good to see. Right. He was – Brandon Peters, in the games he played almost completely, four quarters, right? Illinois was 6-3. and three. There's a reason now, why. they would have probably lost to Minnesota, and they probably would have lost to Michigan with Brandon Peters. But I would have liked my chances better with Brandon Peters. Because and I, I don't think, think, think you go down Northwestern with Brandon Peters. I don't think you go down 28 nothing to Michigan. No. With Brandon in the game. No, and I don't think Minnesota gets away from you like it did. Because remember, when Brandon got hurt, he, they, Illinois was winning that game. By the way, did you see what Passon's tweeting? Mike Moustakis, four years, $64 million to the Cincinnati Reds. Good for you, Mike Moustakis. I thought for a second it was going to be the Cardinals, and no. you were gonna, I was going to get really surprised. Okay, the Reds are – all right, <laughs> back to baseball real quick here. The Reds are sneaky decent. I think the Reds have a chance to pass the Cubs. I really do. I think that there's a situation where the Cubs pitching is not good. Uh, they're the they're Reds aggressive, could be, man. The Reds Trevor could pass Bauer them there, up. Sonny Gray. Luis Castillo is still there. Mm-hmm. Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer. That lineup has Joey Votto and Central's going to have four 80-plus win teams. They are. You guys they are. Be the, well, I guess you wouldn't be the NFC East because they only have one team over 500. I wish Austin <laughs> Berkeley was on here so bad so I could troll him about his Eagles. Oh, don't worry. I did it today. Anyway, back to Illinois. Yeah, I just think he improved so much as the season went along. And I thought for a couple games there, he was a fantastic game manager. And he did what he was supposed to do. He led Illinois to a bowl game. He had an arm that opened up a passing game, a downfield vertical passing game. And yes, he matched where Bebe helps, but he knew how to use it, right? Uh, he made 
Huge plays in the most epic game in Illinois this decade at East Lansing against Wisconsin. He made big throws. The Rutgers game, he really opened it up with that big rush, right? Purdue, he took care of the ball. He did that well all year except for the Iowa game. So the Iowa game didn't do so well. Uh, UConn game didn't start off so Mm -hmm. well. But I thought Brandon Peters was a solid Big Ten quarterback. When's the last time we could say that? He's the best Big Ten or Illinois quarterback since Nathan Shieldhouse that Illinois had. I mean, it's just. I not, agree. I take him over Westland. No in question. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. I think the real big thing here is with this Illinois defense taking the ball away so much, Brandon's ability to hold on to the ball and not have these turnovers were so key. I think Illinois finished this year with 17 turnovers, and then four of them were by Robinson or Isaiah Williams fumbling, mm-hmm. right? So you take those out of it. And Brandon Peters did a pretty good job for the most part well, here. Brandon had five interceptions, three. No, seven interceptions. Okay, he ended up with seven. Yeah. Uh, because of the Iowa game. And then he had a couple fumbles. Yeah, that's it. And, and one per game? That's really yeah. that's really pretty solid. And and, and th- think about what he was doing. He was getting crucified on Twitter every day. Every day. Nobody likes Smart him. man not to have a Twitter. True. I it, would not have a Twitter if I were a big time. Starting quarterback. quarterback. Yeah. No, he just he just constantly get got just hammered bazooka every yeah. day there's just people who are like oh there's got to be a competition i'm like there was a competition brandon was Guys, way better we watched it just like we watched aj bush last year mm-hmm. it wasn't a competition that's why lovey smith just goes guys i can't lie to you i'm just gonna name him right now because you see it right he's far better than these other and guys. we saw it even when they do in train in in training camp, my favorite one of my favorite drills to watch is just sitting up on the hill out there and just watching these quarterbacks throw fifteen yard passes to different little. They have five little spots, mm-hmm. five little station. Brandon gets the snap, he throws to the station, and it just comes so easy, Effortless. so easy every single time. I, I can Isaiah tell you, Williams, I, I had a few parents come over to me and go, "That's what a Big Ten quarterback looks yeah, like." We I, haven't had one in a while. Yeah, and then Isaiah Williams steps up to the line and. I think Isaiah's going to be really good. I still think that. I don't yeah. care what anyone else says. But there are times where he'd have a couple ducks there. Then Matt Robinson gets up, and it takes all the effort in the world to <laughs> yeah. go 15 yards. And you just notice the difference. And Karan would zing it and oh, just didn't would. know where it would go. It'd be like eight <laughs> yards to the right, eight yards to the left, and one right in the middle. So, it, it, But that's the difference. That was the difference. And, and Peters unlocked a different aspect of this offense. And I know the offense overall wasn't that good this year, but he's still, in the when the games mattered so much, yeah. He gave huge, huge plays. Here, huge here, plays. Yeah, here's the thing about Brandon. Sure, you'd love a guy who can run a little bit more. Illinois did not have that luxury. Right? It was like, him or what else do you want? Right, right. Like, I'd take him over Matt Fink. You know, Tommy Stevens, if he could have stayed healthy. I don't know. Tommy Stevens was not that good right. at times. I mean, you could argue that uh, Illinois, Illinois got, got the right one. Illinois got lucky at the end here. Of course, I'd rather have Khalil Tate. Yes. And shame on Kevin someone for not getting to a bowl game with Khalil Tate. Well, and benching him. Right. So, yes, you'd rather, but you didn't have that option. And you got him for another year, and he got better as the season went along. And he got better at using his legs and understanding mm-hmm. that if he uses them just a few times a game, and he used a lot against Iowa – that there's openings there, and he's he's a better runner now than Matt Robinson. I didn't think he, he we'd is. be saying that. Yeah, right no, now. he definitely is. He's a better decision maker in the run game too. And then you also saw some really special throws, and a couple that got dropped by Illinois wide receivers. But overall, this year you saw some really good throws. I think one Daniel throw, Barker throw at the end of the game. Yeah, you can see. 
That Go was back awesome. and look at that. That was ridiculous. Another throw. really nice throw was the one to Josh Amaterbebe in the Wisconsin game before they set up the game-winning field goal. Mm-hmm. He had a, he avoided the rush. He took a little hit and bounced over and then threw a dart with a <laughs> cornerback draped all over him. How about the end of half throw to Amaterbebe against Michigan State? There are different ridiculous. D- he prolonged plays as the season went. Doing- it wasn't Wes Lunt back mm-hmm. there. You know, hit hit feather hits you and you're down. But think about it. Think about in the span from 2010 to 2019. If you rank the top 10 Illinois quarterback throws, Peters might have three or four or five of those. <laughs> I mean, Lunt had some good ones. Yes, but still, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, Peters had Peters some might have really— half of them. That's yeah. what I'm saying. And and that's the type of quarterback you have for another year, and you have all these weapons coming back for another year. I you, think I you, think you unlock him next year, and he has an even bigger year than what he did this year. You know, MJ Rivers might have two of them, both to Edwin Carter. <laughs> <laughs> to the best yeah. throws last year, probably. Yeah. All right, best playmaker on offense. All due respect to Dre Brown and Reggie Corbin, it's a Matt Torbebe. Jay Lehman said it best to me today on the radio show. He turns 50-50 balls into 80-20 balls. He's a future NFL guy if he wants to be. He's got to be more consistent, mm-hmm. uh, especially as a route runner. Iowa, he had a bad one where kind of gave up on the play, but he's really good. He's very he's impressive. Better than I, I thought he'd be. He's easily the best interview on the team, and he's also <laughs> the best playmaker on the team. We're in fully a great full agreement about that. I think Amater Bebe's difference, the difference that he added to this Illinois offense was just so noticeable, and it always felt like you had a chance, and that yep. is really, really impressive. You and just you throw it up to just him. Just have a weapon and have something, and that 4th and 17 throw and that catch – is awesome and an awesome moment and you got him for another year yes (laughs) lineman of the year i'm going kendrick green there's a couple guys i could be in this but i just think his moments of dominance that's what you want in a big 10 line i think he's a tone setter i think he's got allegretti to him Uh, and i think he's more athletic than nick i think we talk so much about alex palcheski and vidarian low in the preseason and Kramer and Green were your best two linemen this year, mm-hmm. and I would agree with that. Green, I, I still the AJ Epinesa cut the, the the video you put on Twitter is just like that is football awesomeness. Like that is everything you want to see. All the plays of the year, that one might be the one I remember the most because That's, it's just how did you do that? Nerds. You pancaked nerds. a guy, you pancaked two guys, and then stymied Epinesa in the middle. Of and it. he did like Epinesa is in the middle of like one of the best streaks of football of his <laughs> right. entire career, and Green just. And it wasn't just that play. Like he he'd been good all year, especially in the run game. Uh he needs to get a little better in the pass game. But you also saw the last game when Kramer went down, he can play center. Right? Like he that's versatile and that's gonna help him at the next level. My most underappreciated, and we might know it now that uh he's hurt, uh it could be serious here, but center Doug Kramer was just so consistent. And you know, talking to guys like Martin O'Donnell and, and watching it on film, just how quickly he can step and and just guys that are bigger than him. Um, he can block really, really well. I thought he held his own against Michigan State and uh, Raquan Williams, who's just a monster. So I think uh, Doug Kramer went underappreciated, even though the PFF numbers mm-hmm. had him as like a top center in the country. Uh, I don't know if fans know he was just solidly consistent. He was really solid. I, I, I agree with everything you said there. I think a couple other guys that would kind of come into play here is one, Ricky Smalling. He was still, even though he, he got hurt and even though he didn't play the games he did, he was still a really versatile piece. He didn't was he still finish second, second on the team he's in second receptions? on the team in receptions, 24 catches games? for 225 yards. Like, that's really impressive. Or he played, yeah, six games because yes. he missed the Wisconsin game. First he went on early, game. yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, he's really underappreciated. I think another one I is totally, Donnie Navarro. I totally agree. Oh, I don't know if Donnie's underappreciated. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But uh, Ricky is. No, I'm glad you brought him up. They missed him. Yeah. I don't know if Illini fans know it because they think of the drops, and he's got to get better at that. But he's still just a productive Big Ten starting wideout. Uh, 
Most improved, I could go Dre Brown here. I'm going Vidarian Low. Yeah, that's a good one. I would have gone with Daniel Barker. I think Barker's gotten a lot better this year. Yeah. Even though his blocking wasn't great towards There's the end. There's a reason he wasn't a starter towards the end, though. Right, but still, some of those touchdown catches were huge. Yep. The one against UConn was huge. Obviously, the biggest touchdown catch of the year against Michigan State. He had some big He's a moments. Threat. He's he had a threat. big moments. I just think Vidarian Low went from inconsistent guy who got benched for Jake Cerny last year to, man, he could be a pro prospect as a senior. Right, you could argue he's their best pro prospect as a senior. Right, that's that's the type of discussion you're we're having here. Yeah, Bebe. I mean, Batiku's got a long way to go, but he's got the skills. Uh, Eifler, Hanson. But but if you go just frame wise, I, I agree with that, you. Nobody is better. There, than there's a lot of guys on this team next year. They go. They could be drafted. Nate Hobbs, of course, yeah. our guy. Oh, that's 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 my number one. Blake Hayes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> this guy. I got. We got so much flack. Or uh, was it flack or fleck? Or it's flack. flack. It's right. That's right. Um, we got so we much give, flack. We give for flack Nate. to flack. That's right. Yeah. Um, for our Nate Hobbs, like a adoration, especially in the preseason or in the early games when he's not making those game changing plays, and then he makes them late in the season. We're like, told you, nah, told you. He's, <laughs> he's really good. He's just got the NFL traits. Uh, freshman of the year, not many to pick from here. Mm-mm. Casey Washington. What, what were his end stats? What would Casey, Casey end up Washington with? Casey Washington finished with ten day. catches for 118 yards this year. Yeah, he's. I I think he's. Uh, he gives them depth next year, right? I mean, you got Bebe, Smalling, Sydney. Now, Smalling and Sydney got to come back from injuries, and uh, not sure what Bebe is, but I don't think it's too serious. I um, thought he just hit his head on the ground yeah, against Iowa. I think so too. Uh, but then you have Casey Washington, Donnie Navarro. You had some other receivers behind him. But Casey eventually, like when Bebe's gone, mm-hmm. I think that becomes your go-to target on the outside. Well, and Casey Reams, or, or not Casey Reams, uh, Caleb Reams is also not going to be here, which opens up more playing time for yep. Washington next year too. And get stronger. I, we all like Jaden Thompson a lot, but I think that Casey might be more ready to play than than oh, Jaden next year. So. No question, Jaden's got Jaden knows it too. He's got to add a lot of strength. Yeah, so I, I think that Casey could probably be there fourth wide receiver next year mm-hmm. maybe fifth and, and just get get in the rotation more and that's depth. a great guy to have as a fifth wide receiver yeah, more depth uh play of the year i think it's unquestioned fourth and 17 at michigan state i mean you could go to a lot of them with Bay. yeah right you go to the field goal against wisconsin that's special teams play of the year. that's true yeah okay so yeah play of the year offensively was definitely fourth that. and 17 because i mean the barker throw was amazing mm-hmm. uh, amazing play um, you could go to Caleb Reams. You know, there's so many you could choose from there. But the, the Dre Brown run to the one yard line Wisconsin. is a pretty big play well, the, against the, Michigan State. The Dre Brown run against Wisconsin. Yeah, that was pretty iconic of the season. Yeah, but I think fourth and seventeen, just that they never gave up. I think that's pretty iconic. Too. I've never seen a fourth and seventeen get converted like that. And then we see game. two of them. Right. He did it against Eastern Michigan. Yes. Too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's just amazing. to throw it up to him. Uh, player to watch for next year. I love. I am I am the guy leading the train for Chase Brown, but even I have to say Luke Ford is the guy I'm most looking forward to seeing next year. Kind of a big deal. That's going to be really interesting, and I think I like Daniel Barker. I always have, but I could absolutely see Luke come in next year and take all of the tight end reps just because of his ability to block so well, so, so well. Though, Well, here's what they're going to do. They're going to do a lot more two tight end sets. And that could open up a lot of different things for it you. just makes you dynamic. Linebackers, that's a nightmare when you got to cover tight ends. We see Wisconsin, what Iowa does. That could help their running game. We're talking about why mm-hmm. the running game take a step back next year. One, it's the quarterback and Reggie Corbin run and Nick Allegretti leaving. But two, it's you know, you're easy to kind of scheme for a little bit this year. You had tight ends like that over Justice Williams and Daniel Barker. Mm-hmm. Ford is a monster. 
in the blocking game. Yeah, I think he's going to have a really nice year. I don't think he'll put up necessarily like eight or nine touchdowns, but I think he could have like 20 catches for maybe like 260 yards and four or five touchdowns and do what he does in the blocking game. Yeah. That's a that's a pro. That is a pro. We talk one about pro the, prospects. He's right up there with the rest of them. Another red zone guy. You had yeah. one red zone guy this year. Maybe Barker you can throw into Not there. really, though. But I Ford's mean, better than that. He's longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got really good hands. I think, I think it just unlocks a lot more of what Rod Smith can do. Mm-hmm. And I think that having... Having the number three player in the state of Illinois and the number one of the best recruits in the class of 2018 finally get to play for you is a really good yeah. thing, and he's going to be a big-time piece. All right, let's take a quick break and do the defensive awards next. All right, this was a battle for defensive MVP, but then Jake Hansen missed the last three games, so i got to give the defensive MVP award to Dele Harding. Un- unquestioned. Like the last 25 years, I know tackles, it doesn't say everything, but... In the last 25 years, when it's Jay Lehman and Dele Harding for most tackles, and Dele in the bowl game is going to overtake Jay as long as he gets six tackles, which is he's going to wake up and get six tackles. Um, Dele Harding's the MVP. Big plays, three interceptions, two pick sixes, three fumble, forced fumbles, uh, 13 and a half tackles for loss. He ended up leading the team in that. Uh, let me check real quick. Because that was my bet in the, in the offseason. Was it? Yeah, was that I, I thought he'd get tackles for Austin. He did. He did beat, beat Wale. Yeah. Uh, you know who finished third in that? Io Shogbanyo? No. Milo Eifler. Good for him. Yeah. Kind of a big deal. So look at this. You had two transfers finish in the top three in um, in tackles for a loss. Mm-hmm. You had a transfer lead your be your quarterback. You had your transfer, transfer be your sacks. wide receivers, <laughs> be your best wide receiver, and another transfer be your third best wide receiver. Another transfer started twelve games at guard for yeah. you. Yeah, it was huge. Embrace it. Embrace the grad transfer you movement. Probably would have been three and nine. <laughs> two and <laughs> two and ten. Might have been two and ten without <laughs> the transfer. Uh best playmaker, I still have Jake Hansen. The, the Sydney Brown had some big plays. I know Nate Hobbs had a couple. Of big no, plays. you're right. It was it's, it's all Jake. I think the big plays in the big games. Even though he missed three games, think about the forced fumble against Wisconsin against Jonathan Taylor. Which you don't one? win that game without <laughs> the one against Taylor late in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he had two of them in that game, right? And, and that was just a monster play. Even against two Minnesota of them against Nebraska. Yeah, but even against Minnesota, he had a strip sack that got you back into the game mm-hmm. in early in the second half. So all of these different plays that Jake made, and I was critical of Jake after last year I didn't think he was that good after after last year and he improved so much and has become such a good piece we talk about the future of this Illinois defense it starts and ends with Jake Hansen I think he's the unquestioned leader not only of this defense but of this team next yeah, year I, I think he's your middle linebacker next year too because um, they're adding a couple weak side linebackers, uh, LeVar Gardner, the Juco kid. Uh, also, Milo Eifler is out at strong side linebacker, but Derek Smith at weak side linebacker, too. I, I think Jake has the traits you want in a middle linebacker, especially vocally. The, the one concern would be that you know he's not going to be a blitzer as much next year as a middle linebacker, but hopefully Eifler and the other guys can step up there. Lineman of the year, who would have thought after three games it wouldn't be Wally Batiku? But he had that injury, and he just wasn't as productive mm-hmm. after that UConn They schemed game. him up well, too. Yeah, and uh, for me, it's no question, Jamal Milan. He's the most disruptive force up front on the interior. Didn't have huge stats, eight and a half tackles for loss. I think one one sack, right? 
But uh, we see the film. We, we see the, you watch the games. Jamal Moyan is by far the most disruptive guy up front. Daley Harding should give a part of his award to Jamal Moyan. Yeah, he, he just he, keep he gave up. him a shout out after. Right, he just kept so much attention on on Moyan, and, and it's a little bit like Akeem Hicks with the Bears. He just yes. takes so much attention from people that it opens it up for Danny Trevathan. It opens it up for Khalil Mack. It opens it up for Roquan Smith to be good. That's exactly what happened here. With Jamal Moyan took so much attention up that allowed Daley and Jake Hansen to knife through those gaps, get into the backfield, and get big plays. Most improved on defense. Sidney Brown has improved a ton. You can make you the case for Stanley Nate Hobbs, Green. too. You can make the case for Nate Hobbs, too. Yeah. But I, I have Sidney Brown written down. Okay, you did. And you can even go from the first half to the second half of the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was just... Uh, here's a sneaky one. Isaiah Gay got a lot better this year. He was really solid towards the end of the year. Towards the end of the uh, not against Northwestern. Okay. Uh, uh, <laughs> everybody was. stunk against nobody Northwestern was, yeah. outside of uh, outside of Harding. Right. Uh, underappreciated. Who's the most underappreciated? I think it was Tymir Oliver in the second half of the year. Uh, Tymir's a pretty good choice there. Shagbanyo was. Shagbanyo was going to be the one I thought of. I think Stanley Green was pretty underappreciated too. I, I was looking at the numbers today, and Illinois in the three games he didn't play, they allowed 555 yards. In the nine games that Green played, Illinois held opponents to 363 He's yards. So stabilizing back. There. Well, and all those bad angles that he used to take last couple of years mm-hmm. kind of disappeared, and he started making those tackles. And those missed tackles that he had in the years past were game changers. Those didn't happen this year. We didn't even mention him, best playmaker, but Tony Adams deserved a little shout out there. He made some of the biggest plays of the year. Purdue. Pick six against Purdue. Yeah. Interception against Wisconsin sets up the game winner. Right. Yeah, I mean, he's th- – that's the he thing. He needs to stay healthy. You, that's the thing. You see this defense next year and you go, they have a lot of playmakers. Hanson's a playmaker. Hobbs is a playmaker. Adams is a playmaker. We know Beeson's going to be a game maker. Milo Eifler's a really big playmaker. You know what you haven't mentioned, though? Defensive line. And we will get to that in our offseason chat. Freshman of the year, who would have thought when he showed up on campus in, in early August – that the twig Devin Witherspoon would be that guy. Yeah, I'm he was re- fantastic. I'm referring to him as the twig from now on. Just a fantastic player. I mean, he plays like he's 195 pounds at corner, even if he's, what, 160? Right. Um, he was great on special teams, held his own. You know, he, he lost some battles this year. He didn't look like a true freshman, though, that showed up in he August. Like he was like, going to go to JUCO. He was actually at JUCO, wasn't he? Right. He was already there. He had already enrolled. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so you know when you're – as a reporter, you talk to all these football players, and a lot of these guys are super intimidating. When I t- – so I'm a pretty big dude, if you didn't know. I'm yeah. like 6'4", 220. But when I walk in to uh, talk to Devin Witherspoon, I'm not intimidated of <laughs> this kid at all. <laughs> I could absolutely him. destroy him if, if we wanted to in a one-on-one wrestling match. I don't know. But, I think I'd take but, Witherspoon. But that's what I'm saying. But in, body slammed a dude yeah, against Iowa. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, that guy just uh, goes out of here and just goes crazy things. It has no fear and just throws people around. He is a really, really competitive kid. I like him as the fourth corner next year. Here's the hard part here, and it's kudos to a defense we had huge questions about. Play of the year. How many can you think of with this defense? Whether it's the Hanson forced fumble, whether it's the Sidney Brown pick six against Michigan State, Adams interception against Wisconsin. But for me, I think it's the Witherspoon chase down tackle against Wisconsin. I think that one just changed the dynamic of the year, kind of like that Terry Hawthorne chase down against mm-hmm. Michigan changed the way of that game. I think that changed the season. That Illinois had a chance, then they get three stops in a row at the goal line. Uh, I think that changed the season right there. I think you're right. I think that's. Point. I think that's the right call. I think mine would still probably be that interception by Tony Adams that set up the game winning kick because I've. 
if they complete that pass, the game's over. But both of those things are, are huge plays. And, and how do you so not put those Sidney Brown pick six? Right. And, <laughs> and it was like one of the best runbacks I've seen. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the story behind that runback is really interesting, too, because of Sidney Brown, like he had talked about how, you know, in, in, when he first got to Illinois, there were situations and times where if there's a loose ball, Lovey Smith always says, pick it up and run back. And he's mm-hmm. like, it's an in- incomplete pass. Why are we picking this up and mm-hmm. running it back? Well, it's because you never know when the ball could be dead. And in that moment, he got an interception and then he's gone just like he practiced mm-hmm. every single day. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, who's your defensive player to watch for next season? Mm, Marquez I, I, Beeson is really close for me. I wish I could pick Calvin Avery. I don't think I can. I can't. Um, for me, I think it's Milo Eifert. I was going to go Marquez or Milo. I, I know most people want me to say Marquez, and I think he's going to be great because his first week of camp was ridiculous. He was he's their the best, best corner. corner. He was the best corner in the first week of camp. So he could be a game changer right away. But uh, I think they need Milo to step up. He had flashes this year. Um, I still think it was kind of like Brandon Peters, though. It's like he hasn't played a lot of mm-hmm. college football to this point. Just played a bunch of special teams. So I think he needed to get his feet wet, raise his football IQ. A guy that hadn't played a lot of football in his life. He is such a – he is. But he's a freak of an athlete, yeah. I can tell you. And the scouts are already talking about him. Like that is what an NFL linebacker looks like, the closing speed that he has. I'm really excited to see what Eifler can do next. Eifler year. and Beeson are the easy ones. Here's some deep cuts, though. I think one of these three freshman defensive ends are going to be pretty good next year. One of Shem- or one of uh, Keith Randolph, Seth Coleman, or Moses Okpala. And I'm going to take Okpala out of it because he's really raw. So I think and one he's of defensive Coleman, tackle now. Or, yeah, that's right. So I think one of Coleman or Randolph. They're also going to get to play a lot because there's going to be instances where some guys are gone. I'd bet on Randolph. I think so too. That kid plays. And what you saw it in basketball. He has a little bit of an edge. He plays with a little bit of fire, and that's what I like. And he ha- he's pretty refined, too, for a kid who's only played football a couple years. And I would say Coleman could play a role next year. I think it's a pass-rush specialist, mm-hmm. but I do think he can play a role. I think Randolph has to be in the rotation next year. I think he's going to be decent next year. I think I think he's got something there that I really like. Yeah. All right, special teams MVP, Blake. no doubt, Blake. Um, don't even need to discuss it. Special teams player of the play of the year. McCourt. McCourt field goal. Although the w- kick to the one-yard line was you could argue more impressive. Still, the McCourt field goal. Uh, most looking forward to seeing next year. I got two guys. Okay. One would be Caleb Griffin because I'm not sold on McCourt. I think that needs to be a competition. Here's my hot take. Caleb Griffin was still the best kicker that I've seen this year and should have won the job in the preseason. I'm st- <laughs> I get take. that McCourt got that, but I still think he should have been the guy. I mean, what we saw in practice the first week, it was kind of like the Matt Robinson thing over MJ Rivers. Like mm-hmm. Matt Robinson a year ago when he was a true freshman was far better than MJ Rivers the first week. Then it was kind of like a tie the second week. And then once we were gone, MJ Rivers blew him away. It felt like that's what it was this year because Caleb Griffin was by far better mm-hmm. in spring. He was better the first week of camp. But then McCourt and him kind of started trading off, and McCourt looked a little better. And then as we went away and close practices happened, McCourt ran away. And I get why Illinois didn't pull the trigger, but McCourt wasn't good toward the end of the year. After the Wisconsin game, he missed three field goals. He missed an extra point, a big one against Michigan State, but that helped you win a game. Is he 10 for 16 this year? Yeah, 10 for 16 isn't all that great. So I I get why you don't make a change because that – just destroys all confidence. It makes you think now and all about special teams. Is you just Caleb want to go there in and, a tough spot? Yeah, it's just it's tough. So I get why they did that, but I still think Caleb's the best one. I think he will be the guy next year. The other guy, Kyron Cumbie, because mm-hmm. if Dre's not back, you you need a returner. I was I'm appalled that you didn't pick a long snapper. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I think that Ethan th- Sabell. We don't mention him. That's a good thing, right? Didn't mess up this year again. 
Yeah, vote for him for long snap for the year, back to back. He has it lucky though for that award because Illinois on Twitter is like the third best right. in like the country. We know that as a website, right? <laughs> it's like the third best in the country, and so he just kills people in all these Twitter right. things because he has all these. You know, hashtag Illini goes a long way. Keep it up, Illini fans love their Twitter. I do think Cumby is the right choice there, and I. I was surprised that he didn't get more opportunities in the return game this year, too. I'm not. Do you remember camp? Yeah. <laughs> I get. I, I, he dropped a lot of them. Sure, but I, I thought that I thought that there would be opportunities for him to go back there with, Justice, with Dre Brown instead of it being like Justice Williams or, yeah. you know, all those different things. I thought, I thought he'd have a little bit more of a role. They'd give him a chance. But if they want to save his red shirt, I get that completely. And they saved a lot of red shirts. What, all the three scholarship guys? Yeah. Redshirted this year. That's yes. that's a good thing for the long term. I really like their idea of what they did this year. They really prioritized that. All right, when we come back, let's take a quick look ahead at the off season, early signing period, their biggest needs, what they'll do in the transfer portal, and does Lovey Smith make any changes to his staff? That's next. All right, the coaching carousel is going on. Any big surprises here? I mean, Barry Odom gone from Mizzou. It makes sense to me because they were kind of slowly declining, mm-hmm. right? And Mizzou's in the SEC, and you don't want to all of a sudden become one of the worst teams in the SEC. And they should have a higher ceiling than I what think, they've had under Odom. Yeah, I think my biggest surprise was Mike Leach to Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> Happened for a second. <laughs> right, yeah, it was good for a second or two. Uh, yeah, that was really interesting. Uh, Ole Miss, by the way, um, firing their coach Matt Luke. It does open a chance for Illinois. Lakevius Daniel, mm-hmm. really good corner at the JUCO level. He de- decommitted. Um, Give so, me all the corners. You cannot have <laughs> enough of them. Well, DBs, they could use the safety. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if any of the corners move to safety, if Adams moves back there, uh, what they decide Pond to do. Martin's already moved back there to safety, too, which is where they recruited him at the beginning. Right. And, and of course, Illinois is going to have to see what kind of attrition they have. Um, I wouldn't expect a lot of big names or at least significant names yeah. on the depth chart, but you never know this time of year. I mean, Matt Judd so far, my guy. Devastating, man. <laughs> Devastating. Like, every once in a while, you go to camp, you pick out a walk-on, uh-huh. right? And last year, Jordan Holmes was my guy, and it proved to be pretty good. Donnie Navarro was also your guy, which yeah. proved to be good. Uh, well, that one was easier because at least he was a Division mm-hmm. I producer right? Uh, at Valpo. But Matt Judd, I liked. He was just kind of a big, athletic guy. I thought could play special teams like uh, Bryce Barnes, but uh, you know, know, played one game this year. And, you know and now who my special portal. teamer is? Ryan Mead. I really think he's going to be decent. He had some really good moments. It's lately. amazing he's that a walk-on team. comes here from New York. It's yeah. expensive. Exactly. It's yeah. Expensive. No, I, I think I think he's going to be really interesting. He and played. A Liggs recruit. Yeah, so. he played four, time, uh, four games this year. Also, Bryce Barnes got called for a late hit against Northwestern, and I'm appalled because a Gibson City kid needs to absolutely rip someone's head <laughs> off if they're going to get called <laughs> for a late right. hit, and that was a very lame late hit. All right, early signing period is just two weeks away. Mm-hmm. Uh, hard, to, hard to even fathom that. The biggest need is by far defensive line. And they're doing a good job with the, with their efforts. I think they're doing a really good job prioritizing. Yeah, I think they feel really good, and I think they should. They've uh, love you the first visit he took after the Northwestern game, just about twenty four hours after it. Wesley Bailey at Canada, uh, defensive end, not going to make an immediate impact. He's a little bit raw as a football player, but athletically everything you want. Uh, they're fighting the Flexter in Minnesota for him. Uh, could visit uh, somewhere else too. Devere Levinston is another one, a JUCO defensive lineman, just visited SMU. Um, has visited some other places, but uh, he's been pretty quiet, but he told rivals that he's going to visit Illinois this weekend, so we'll see if he comes through on that. He seems like the priority defensive tackle is a JUCO, but they need one. Mm-hmm. They absolutely need hurry. one because you have Calvin Avery, Jamal Woods, Deion Pate, and Moses Okpala. No Larry Oladipo, no uh, Jamal Milan, no Tymir Oliver, no Kenyon Jackson. And at training camp? Those were four of your top five guys at yes, the position. Yes, easily. 
easily. Right? So that is a huge concern. I think they could get Anthony Shipton if they want to. A defensive tackle out of California. This burly-looking guy. Reminds me of Tommy Oliver, right? Just a solid rotation. He reminds guy. me of Bain, Rob Bain a little, a little bit. bit. A little bit. But that not overly athletic, right. but just a big physical presence. So I think that's a guy they could get. Uh, also, defensive line, I think they're sitting well with all of these kids that are commit that were once at least committed. Well, elsewhere. Trayvon Riggins is another defensive lineman that they feel pretty good about too. Well, that's what I was getting into oh. is Trayvon Riggins, who was committed okay. to Miami. Their lead for him, he just decommitted. Jaquari Wiggles, Georgia Tech commit. Illinois thinks, hey, they went three and nine. Maybe we can flip him. They saw his film, really liked him, uh, kind of like Jamal Woods. Um, they he's visiting this weekend. That's a good sign. He did tell me. That uh, unless something changes, Georgia Tech is still his option, but Illinois has got a chance to make it them change, right? Um, and the guy I most like of their D line t- targets is Jerzon Newton, a Maryland commit. And Maryland had a terrible finish to the year, only beat Rutgers over the last 10 games, right? And uh, they have, I think Illinois has got a good chance of flipping him. They've done really well down in that Clearwater area. And I think that would be a fantastic flip. Just really athletic, uh, versatile defensive lineman that could play the three technique eventually. I, I don't know. I don't think any of those defensive linemen, uh, defensive tackles that are prep guys you should count on next year, but they need long term guys there. Yeah. And I think you're seeing. Florida become a bigger a bigger state that they're really targeting throughout this season and throughout this offseason. Because last year was weird. Seth yeah. Coleman was the only guy. The two previous years, they lived off Florida. They did great down there. And so you see all of these Florida guys that they're prioritizing. Lovey's good down there. Kinoto Hudson was a big hire down there. And I think that's a good fit to get him down there and get these guys. And Austin Clark is really good at his job. I was going to say, Austin Clark's doing a lot of work down there, too. So I think Austin and, you know, Corey's gone down there, too. Corey Patterson. One thing, though, that I noticed with all of these different dudes is if you land a few of them you're also hurting a lot of big 10 teams minnesota maryland all of these big 10 teams you're stealing from and that matters that matters illinois stealing from other power five programs that doesn't happen (laughs) one guy that i feel like illinois really missed the boat on this year hold on i totally forgot his name willis singleton I, th- I really think that that loss miss, yeah. is going to be one that we think about. And I wish they could get back involved there. I'm a bad couple weeks there. Jalen St. John, just Willis a Singleton. T- just a tough couple weeks. That kid had a great senior year, 14 sacks and 23 tackles for him. loss. So I think that there's great uh, cultural fit academic. Yeah, I, I think that that would be really interesting to see if something, you know, if, if Matt Campbell's name starts rolling a little bit now <laughs> with some of these bigger names, bigger jobs. jobs. Yeah, that could be a guy that you circle. All right. Uh, some other big names, though, they could add another quarterback, and I would expect them to. And I think you always got to add as many quarterbacks, as much talent as you can at that position. I think we saw at the end of the year, listen, I'm high on Isaiah Williams, but they they can't just relax a quarterback with Brandon Peters for one more year. And, oh, Isaiah Williams will definitely be the guy. They need to add as much talent as possible. So you got C.J. Dixon. It's kind of a pocket passer, big arm. But then Deuce Span kind of reminds me of A.J. Bush. It's a different kind of quarterback. Big, long, athletic, has a, has a strong arm. I think that'd be a good add. Uh, add more talent to that quarterback position. And then you let the cards fall as they will. Yeah, that's the There's going to be attrition at that position. So, will it run off somebody? Maybe. 
But if they want to run off, they run off. You got to keep adding talent at the most important. And it's position. not even running off someone at all. It's more of a situation where maybe there are quarterbacks that go. You know what? I don't want to be a part of a seven quarterback room, and I want to go somewhere where I can play. Yeah, I, I get that. That's that, fine. But Illinois got. You have to keep adding talent. Yes. You can't just be like, oh yeah, it's your turn. No, no, you no fight it's not. It. No, it's not at all. And and I think that when you have good relationships to continue those, because the thing with Deuce Span here is that he's got relationships with Trayvon Riggins, and he's got relationships with other guys that Jerzon you're recruiting. Yeah. yeah, so that is big to have as well, too. There is no position that is more flaky than quarterback. You can have a quarterback that's really good one year, that that gets hurt, and then your entire yeah. team is destroyed, Purdue. right? What? Purdue. Yeah, right. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, you had one injury, and it destroys your entire team. Well, and David Blau, I thought he was really – and that's why I had questions about Purdue this year. Sindelar, yeah, he can throw, but he's a statue back then. Mm-hmm. Blau mm-hmm. made plays with his legs. Uh, obviously, the biggest target, I think, left on the board – that's not a transfer. Antonio Doyle. No question. The four-star linebacker. Not a big position of need here, but a huge Take prospect uh, who could change what you do at linebacker. Just a big, athletic, could be a great middle linebacker or be a pass rusher off the edge. So uh, Antonio Doyle, I think they've made up a lot of ground here. And I think if you had to ask me today, Texas A&M or Illinois, try not to be a homer here, but I think it's Illinois. Remember, he committed to Missouri because, in part, large part, he wanted to stay closer to home. And think about the future here of that linebacker position if you get that done, and you could have two St. Louis dudes in Shimon Cooper and Antonio Doyle run in your linebacker room in a couple years. That can matter a lot. You have a big sell here. I think Corey's done a really good job here. And one thing I think that's interesting is now you have continuity and now you have safety of where your program is headed. Well, and you can just tell Antonio Doyle, look what we've done with Jake Hansen and Delay Harding, yes, two guys who don't have as much physical talent as you, and that's completely fine. That's completely fine to say you, you, that. You could be not only an All Big Ten linebacker because Delay Harding likely will be. If you're an All Big Ten linebacker with your physical traits, you're going to be a high NFL draft pick. And we know how to make them. Yeah, we know how to cultivate that. Yeah, and 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 that's that's your sell. That is your sell, and I think that now you can start to see people not roll their eyes at that anymore. Yeah, because now you can prove it. Well, you have stuff. You have ammunition. It's fun to win, I, isn't it? I, I think. I think this season, the the bowl season, I think it helps more with the class of twenty twenty one. But I will tell you that with Antonio Doyle, it has made a huge impact. You're not getting him at four and eight. You're not getting him with your defense giving up eight hundred rushing yards. <laughs> You're. You're not doing it with that. So Antonio Doyle, I think, it's made a bigger impact this season than any other prospect. It's amazing how now with with ammunition, this Illinois coaching staff can go out and do some really interesting things. I think they have a really interesting sell now. And I think we will see it in the 2021 class where you have a really big fit, really big explosion here where now people are buying in long term. I don't know if there'll be eight transfer ads like there were last year. I think there were eight. Um, But I think they should add half of that. Right? They're going to keep some spots open for the transfer portal, and I think it has to be on the defensive line. I think it ha- even with a, if you had a Juco, I think you need to find a defensive tackle, and I think you need to find a defensive end. I really do. I, I am not happy with the defensive end play, even with Batiku back, Carney back, Isaiah Gay back, Keith Randolph. It's not Seth good Cohen. enough. Yeah. I, I need another guy. Yeah, you do need another guy. I need guy a difference cause, maker. Because Coleman and Randolph are probably still another year away from really being difference makers. And if there's a guy out there and you say, hey, look what we did with Batiku, your turn. Right. And I love Wally Batiku as, as much as other guys do. I mean, he's a great interview. He has a great story. He, he's a, a personable kid. He's the best pass rusher they have. He's the best, he, he, arguably a top five defender on their team. But he wasn't good towards the end of the year. 
Yeah, after he when came, he back, came from back from his injury, injury he, wasn't he wasn't that great. And he, he wasn't, struggled he just wasn't that good in Big Ten play. Yeah, and right? so, he wasn't that good. So you you have to look, we need to lower our expectations for him. We have because he's still really raw. Now I think this offseason is really big for him if you want to get uh, unlock him a little bit more. But Gay is, and Gay's taking a step forward. But you're losing Shagbanyo, who had eight and a half tackles for a loss, and that's another opportunity for you to go get a star. Yeah. Owen Carney's not a star. Isaiah uh, Gay is not a star. Wale Batiku is a good player. He's probably not a star. You need one. You and need if you can find rusher, one, you man. can be that'd be a really, really big get. And you need a defensive tackle that can play for you. Um, I wouldn't be against another offensive lineman. I wouldn't either. I think that another right guard just, hey, come in and be Pettibon again. <laughs> I think offensive line and then I wouldn't hate a safety. Yeah, safety or corner would make sense. And Hey, if there's a receiver that wants to play mm-hmm. for you, I'd be open to that to have another playmaker. I don't think running back is a big concern. For no, me. there's been some people that have said, "Well, they could really use a transfer running back." I think they're fine. I'm a big fan of Chase Brown, so I don't. And I think they addressed that last year. And listen, I know that people don't like him that much, but Rayvon Bonner is still a capable Big Ten running back. Epstein's coming back. Yes. We'll see what you can get out of him. Jakari Norwood had moments. The staff really likes him. I think Norwood could play a role, complimentary role. Sims, I, I don't know if you're expecting anything, but you know Reggie Love, Nick Fidanzo, they're going to have some guys. Like They'll have some depth at that position. And it's one of those situations where it feels like running back is so easily replaceable. We see that in the NFL yeah. all the time. It's so easily replaceable. And when with, with this offensive line that has 120, let me do the math, 126, like, I think, starts in there. If you have two of Epstein, Chase Brown, or Dre Brown, I feel pretty good. Yeah. I feel pretty good at that position. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. No uh, need to go get one. Offensive line, I mean, I'm going to be watching that. Uh, I'll be watching, as I do every year, those lines I'll be watching a lot in spring ball uh, if we get to watch any of bowl practice and training camp especially. Cause Cerny's the guy, right? D- well, yeah, I would imagine right now. I, I I haven't seen enough from Virtus Brown yet. I haven't been able we to haven't watch seen practice Virtus in a Brown at all, yeah. Keevan Myers, I think we both know, is Bob McClain told us is a long way away. Uh, Jordan Slaughter needs to stay healthy, but I think he can eventually play and, mm-hmm. and give you a guy. But Cerny's still the backup for a reason, right? So I think he's the he's the leader in the clubhouse. Yeah, and I mean, think about it too. Jake Stover's not coming in. He's, yeah, he's not going to be done. here either too. So he's, he's done with concussions issues too. So yeah, I think you need a lot of depth. I like what they've done in their offensive line recruiting, but they're not going to play at all this year. I'm fine with. I don't know if I am. They they need more. No, no, I no, I I'm fine with what they've done, but those freshmen aren't going to play. Oh that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they like, definitely need more. I the, think they need the four. The 2019 or five. class was rough. Yes, right. They yeah. they didn't add anybody who was going to help for the first two years when you had Plore and Kurtz. Mm-hmm. Those guys are developmental. Those guys are hope rolling prospects. the dice in three years. They can play, right. not rolling the dice in two. You missed. I mean, you didn't get Broker. You didn't get you know Hunter Broker Woodard. starting for Ole Miss by the way. Hunter Woodard and like all those guys. Like you, you missed on all these guys. That's why offensive line transfers. Even if it's a guy who has to sit, I'm looking hard at the transfer portal there. I because you lose three. Good starters after next year. I just thought of Nick Broker and his coach just got fired. Yeah. And he had a good relationship here at Illinois. He did. Mm, interesting. All right, I'll just put a pin in that one and, and move on. Uh, do you expect any coaching changes on Illinois? I would expect maybe an offensive coach or two is gone. I wouldn't be surprised if Andrew Hayes Stoker isn't here next really? year. Really? Yeah. I don't know about that. That's that. I, I, I think if anybody leaves... For continuity for the offensive staff. If anybody... Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I can understand where you're going there. Um, you know, Gil Bird's one that I think would want to eventually get back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's not out recruiting right now. Joe Price has taken his place. He's yep. got a waiver there. Um, not exactly sure why. Illinois doesn't want to share that. But that that could be one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at 
one or two. Yeah. Right? I, but I, I, I don't it's think it's going to be full, four. Yeah. Like we have each of the last two years. No, I, I, I really have a, th- I don't know if about Stoker. Defensive, defensive coordinator. I would really like if they went and got one. But Lovey Smith has proven that he changed his defense around. He bet on himself and it worked. So he's going to, I get it. You're going to keep this going. Because um, I'd like that for another. I wouldn't be against, like, it's not going to happen. But if, if Barry Odom was interested. You, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Lovey's got his defense. He's got his scheme. He's got his guys. It'd probably be more someone that he's got connections to in the NFL, right? Like, if John Hoke wanted to coach, like, that would be the guy. But if you're Illinois, you could make a big splash like that. You might have some cachet to land somebody who thinks, I could be there a couple years. Think about right? how good Mizzou's defense has been in the last four or five years. That's yeah. all because of Odom. And anybody even questioning offensive coordinator, I just no, I don't see no. it happening. No, you paid him. You gave him a raise. He's getting paid seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. He's got to be better next year. Yes, he's got to. He's got to. He needs his guys healthy for one. He's got to be better. He didn't have a good game against Northwestern, right? Like there were moments where you're frustrated with what Rod has done, but he's still giving you. A, you still have a leash with him. You still have yeah. a leash. Maybe you. There's got to have some, be some warmth. He's got to have some continuity. Right. Like, and, if you do this again next year, like, the numbers you put up this year, then, yeah, I think we can start having that conversation, especially if Illinois But struggles. I think they changed their offense a lot of based of what their defense did, too. I agree. There were different times where they go, we cannot turn the ball over, so we're not going to make some of these game-changing We plays. don't need to go for 500 yards and score 40 yeah. points in the second half of the season. Like, Rutgers and Purdue, they didn't put up big numbers because they didn't really try to. No. Right? No, and and also think about this: they played some really darn good defenses this year. Michigan State's probably going to finish top twenty-five in defense. Wisconsin will, Michigan will, Northwestern is going to be one of the better defenses too that they face this year. They Minnesota's defense is decent. I wrote in my off-season checklist. I know fans don't care about this stuff, but like you scored twenty-five against Michigan, only two Big Ten teams I think scored more. Mm-hmm. One of them Ohio State, uh, Wisconsin. I think only one other Big Ten team scored more points against them. I think it was Penn State. Right, so this is this is you put up some decent numbers you against put up some thirty-seven good against Michigan State. Yeah, so well, and I know and some o- I know defense. some other teams put up some Michigan and Ohio State put up big numbers, but that's the company you were in. Yeah, I, I'm not that concerned. I, I the, the offense will definitely have my attention throughout this offseason, but I'm not that concerned about it just because I see all of these dudes that are coming back, yeah. and I see all of the offensive line starters, and I see all, Luke Ford, and I see all of these. Good young guys. And think about it. Even some of these freshmen. Reggie Love is a really solid player. If he gets healthy, he could be a factor. I don't expect any of these freshmen next year to make a big impact. I'm with you, but I think if there's any, Reggie would probably be my number one. Yeah, I don't know. Coming off an injury... You know, I think that here that's the great thing though. But you don't need that. right, is we're sitting there and you know, James Frenchie, could he play a role? Maybe, but he's gotta gain a lot of strength. Right? Jaden Thompson's gotta gain a lot of strength. Um, CJ Dixon has only played one year at the varsity level. Right? You know what I mean? So like these are all good prospects. I like their profiles, but they need time to develop. Now, Antonio Doyle. He's the kind of guy who can come in and make an impact. Marquez Beeson was the kind of guy who can make an immediate impact. It ends up Casey Washington mm-hmm. and Devin Witherspoon were, but I think that's what it's going to be more. It's like one or two guys playing complimentary You had all roles. these redshirt freshmen that are going to be stepping into that's more That's your freshman class. Yeah. Shamond Cooper is still a freshman. Tariq Barnes. Tariq Barnes is still a freshman. Isaiah, Isaiah. Williams, Marquez Beeson, all of those yeah. guys. That's when that's where you'll start to see it come together. But I, I, I'm just not that concerned about the offense overall because I do have confidence and faith in Rod, and I do think that Brandon coming back, 
all your wide receivers coming back, all your offensive line coming back, and most of your running backs coming back, good. Move on. Yeah, yeah. Move on. I, I think they'll be much better next year. This is a long one, man. How long did we go? We went over an hour. Yeah, that didn't shock me one bit. You and I talking yeah, nitty-gritty. Right. When Piper's on, it might be a do little we, bit. You said we got to do a deep cuts version? Yeah, we do. Just a, all deep cuts on the podcast? Maybe not. Maybe we'll just do a section of it, but I think deep cuts is one of my favorite little things that we've done, where we just went through. Remember in <laughs> training, training camp, camp when yeah. we just have like, who is the best third-string offensive lineman or these different battles? Those are fun. I like those. Kirk Gavin. Yikes. <laughs> I told you about the depth chart, right? Yikes. It's like Evan Kurtz, Josh Poor, and... Kurt, Kurt Gavin, Gavin and Thomas Cronin. Might have been Cronin, man. Cronin's decent. There's your deep cut for the day. There it is. Cronin is Thomas decent. Cronin. He's put up some good numbers in the weight room. I'd love to say what Kurt Gavin's real name was, according to <laughs> Luke, Luke Butkus, Butkus, but it's probably not the best for a podcast. Shout out Kurt Gavin and his career. All right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Atlanta Inquirer podcast. Appreciate you listening. Uh, subscribe to the site. Uh, we do have a Cyber Monday deal. It's going to go on through Tuesday. Teaser. Uh, you won't hear it until Tuesday when I publish it, but it's continuing to go annual subscription for $75 and we have our dollar deal for the monthly your first month you get for a dollar Isaac Trotter thank you buddy no problem it was always a fun all right we've got another month to talk to him we'll continue doing it thanks for listening to the Atlanta Inquirer podcast